That can mean only one thing. Cousin Rick is calling in from Needham, Massachusetts with Rick's Tech Talk. Good morning, Cousin Rick. Good morning, RT. Yes, may the 4th be with you. It certainly is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, meanwhile, do you have a right of the week? Oh, we've got a right of the week. And again, we we have to give out kudos to the the folk at rpmnewsweekly.com who are uh, really stepping up to the plate and posting Rick's Tech Talk as a podcast at rpmnewsweekly.com. And the ride of the week is the 2021 Mazda CX-30, a uh, small SUV or a crossover, however you want to call it. It's the 2.5 turbo with premium plus package and all-wheel drive. So this is a uh, small SUV crossover that's packed with technology. Okay, it's got a, like the name says, a 2.5-liter turbo engine, four-cylinder turbo engine with a six-speed transmission, automatic transmission, and the engine puts out 27 horsepower. So you can, uh, like most Mazdas, you can uh, zip around, as we say, and the the evaluation from the uh, the wife is that it's a it's fairly comfortable and fairly quiet, so it uh, it's got a get a got a good rating from the spouse, and uh, going through the numbers here, EPA mileage rating, twenty two miles per gallon city, thirty miles per gallon highway for a combined twenty five miles per gallon. So with a little more power and all wheel drive. Maybe the mileage ratings are a little less than you would think, but what's nice about this and what's good about it, it's five-star safety rated. It gets a an overall score, the highest you can get, of five stars, which is, uh, which is good. And again, uh, showing the international nature of the automotive business, the CX-30 is built in Salamanca, Mexico, the engine is built in Mexico. The transmission comes from Japan. And so with parts content, uh, U.S. Canadian parts content is 5%. Mexican is 65%. And Japanese is 15%. And going, uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's packed with technology. And you can start out with the Bose premium 12-speaker audio system. So you can cruise in comfort. It's got LED lighting. It's got radar cruise control. It's got the navigation system, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, included in the base price of 33900 And also included in that is front and rear parking sensors and a 360-degree monitor system that'll give you a bird's eye view around the vehicle when you're backing out in tight places. So with with a few options and delivery charge, it comes out to be just under $36,000. So uh, nice driving Mazda packed with technology. The Mazda CX-30, the ride of the week. All right. Sounds good. Hey, you know, I, I just uh, this just uh, came to me. Perhaps you have some insight into this, but um, 
Why is it that cars are manufactured in this way where they have all these different international sites that they combine together? It seems like there would be, you know, an awful lot of, you know, I don't know, issues in, in shipping charges and... Uh, and uh, well, the, yeah, I think you've got to kind of balance off specialization with uh, transportation that it's easier to ship components and then uh, build the vehicles say, within the market that they're going to be sold, like in North America, right. build in Mexico, Canada, or the U.S., rather than uh, build in Japan and then ship over. Unless it's a specialized vehicle where there's maybe less of a demand, it might be more efficient and cost-effective to build it, say, in a, uh, one country and ship it to another overseas. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes uh, makes sense. Specialization. All right. Uh, any other uh, auto news you have for us? Oh, yes. We, our friends at iccars.com have done another study. And this one is very interesting. They've studied used and new car sales and come up with which colors are the most, uh, say, uh, affecting the value of the vehicle, okay? And they found out that certain colors affect, not affect, there's a correlation between color and depreciation and resale value. It may not be a cause and effect, but it's an interesting uh, correlation, okay? That uh, the highest depreciating color loses more than twice the value of the lowest depreciating color than, uh, let's say, popular colors, which most cars you'll look around, white, black, or silver, they actually have minimum impact on uh, resale value. But some of the beneficial colors are yellow and orange. Now, if you say, well, are white, black, and silver popular, it may be because people not necessarily like those colors, but they think other people do. And so uh, many people buy these cars with these colors, and mainly because also that uh, you may not be able to get a much of a variety in colors. But let's say uh, the average vehicle depreciates in three years about 38%. But yellow vehicles depreciate only about 20%. And uh, the same with orange vehicles, uh, they uh, depreciate uh, a little less, uh, 27% rather than 37%. And yellow and orange say they're colors that certain people want, and they order those on cars that, say, are more sporty and performance-oriented cars, low-volume vehicles that, even though they don't sell many, there's a demand for them. And uh, also, believe it or not, the color beige, which, which sounds boring, but depending on it, beige varies in you, so you can go from a light brown to a kind of a gold, so you may have a demand for those kind of colors, but... There are certain colors that are different, like purple or brown, but those vehicles turned out to appreciate even more 
then uh, like brown depreciates 42% over three years of brown vehicle on average rather than 37%. So it's uh, interesting how the correlation is between color. Yeah, I have to Although, say, uh, no, I would have thought it would be the opposite with, with you know, orange and yellow. Yeah. Going, what? Well, if you look at it, when you buy a car, okay, you probably decide what kind of car you want and so on. And then also you say, what color? You know, color comes fairly high in the choice spectrum. Now, you can get a car, maybe, maybe there's a car you don't like as much, but if it comes in a color that really turns you on, you buy that car. Yeah, I guess so. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of think we could use a little more color variety in cars. I agree. But, I, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I see no reason to buy a white or a black car myself. <laughs> well, some cars look good in white. I think if a car is a little more angular, it looks good in white, like it was carved from marble or something mm. like that. Interesting. But, you know, black cars, to me, black cars, you can't really see the features of the car because of the the, mm. the dark nature of the, the color. Right. And then they're, yep. they're hotter in summer, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, now what about red? I'm curious. Do they have any uh, information on red? Uh, well, let me go back to my notes here as I quickly look red. Actually, red, uh, no, red's fairly average. Huh. It, uh, Interesting. You know, the average new vehicle depreciates about 38% over three years, and a red vehicle depreciates about 37%. Hmm. So, but, but again, red has different shades. You can get a rich burgundy or a bright fire engine red or, you know, uh, Godfather red or whatever. <laughs> I think they advertised a car back in the 60s as uh, a special edition, you know, down there in New York or on Long Island, the, the Godfather edition, or the Big Man <laughs> edition, they called it, and it had a, a wine red uh, color, maybe on the interior or whatever. Yes, yes. All right. Well, very, very interesting. Do, do you have a Musk Minute for us by any chance? Oh, we've got a Musk Minute. Uh, we're still waiting for Starship 15 to fly. And that uh, looks like it'll be tomorrow. Mm. Every week it's always tomorrow. <laughs> but then again, we uh, we had uh, the Dragon capsule return a crew over the weekend to uh, a night landing, mm-hmm. a night splashdown, I should say, in the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, so that's good news there. The the bad news, or the the uh, not so good news, is. We talked about NASA awarding the sole source contract to SpaceX for a Starship version to land on the moon. Now, NASA just announced that they're halting work on that contract because the other two competitors in the uh, procurement process have filed a protest. Mm. That was both uh, Blue Origin, uh, headed up by Jeff Bezos, and Dynetics, a defense contractor headquartered in Alabama. So they protested the award, and we'll have to see where that goes. Mm. So that uh, it's kind of a uh, a little bad news in uh, Muskland. Yeah, yeah. 
I knew that was going to get complicated. <laughs> they weren't going to just be able to uh, slip that one by everybody. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Um, anything else you have? Yeah. But going going back to automotive. Okay. On Sunday in China, they do a Chinese tech company rolled out its driverless taxi service in uh, a certain area in western Beijing, China. And they have 10 of these Apollo robo-taxis running around, and it's the first time there's no safety drivers sitting behind the wheel. Hmm. But there is a, uh, I guess you'd call it a safety monitor sitting in the passenger seat. So if anything goes wrong, he can stop the vehicle. He or she can stop the vehicle. And the robo-taxis break. Oh, say somebody steps out in the street jaywalking. And what they found now is that uh, people see the robo-taxi on the street, so they come out and start to look at it. And the taxi stops so they don't uh, have a potential collision with a, with a, a jaywalker or what the, what the vehicle thinks is a jaywalker. So that's uh, interesting to see how that will go. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems uh, kind of funny, though. That, I mean, it doesn't seem it's kind of defeating the purpose of having a monitor along for the ride. Or do you think that's an, an interim phase where they're going to try to be fully autonomous? Well, it's probably an interim phase, you know, going right. from somebody behind the wheel to somebody in the car that could, you know, monitor it and maybe stop it. Mm-hmm. And then if something really goes wrong, they could probably get behind the wheel and take the vehicle uh, back to wherever the depot is. And uh, go from there. Hmm. All right. Okay. Um, anything else? Yeah, automotive. Uh, you might say that Messerschmitt is back. Now you're you're probably too young to remember the three wheeled Messerschmitt uh, mini car in the fifties from Germany. It was a three wheel car, two two wheels in the front, one wheel mm-hmm. in the back. And it had like a uh, a greenhouse cockpit on top that you would flip over and get in the vehicle. It, uh, some of them had one person, some of them had two. Well, a company in Spain, in Andalusia, Spain, has uh, rolled out their version, a modernized version of what they call the cabin roller, the cabin roller uh, Messerschmitt three-wheeler. And there's two versions, one that's uh, gasoline-powered, and the other is actually battery-powered. And the battery-powered version, you can get in two versions, one that goes 50 miles and the other that goes 100 miles with a a dual battery pack in it. And they say it's street legal. I don't know if it's street legal in the U.S. I don't Mm. know about the meeting safety requirements or whatever. But uh, so that's uh, interesting developments from Spain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I don't remember the Messerschmitt, but I do remember, you know, there was the three wheel vehicle where you opened the front. The door was. Yeah, a, that was the BMW Isetta. Really? OK. That's what that was. Because yep. I, I remember those well. Yeah. 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 It was kind of like the smart car of its day. Right. Right. Exactly. OK. Uh, anything else? Well, wrapping things up, okay. from, from down the street and up your block, right here in Needham, 
or down in uh, Cambridge from MIT, they've come up with a cooling system that uses evaporation to keep items cool. And it's, uh, well, the press release says it was inspired by the camel who who has a thick fur coat to keep it uh, insulated from the extreme heat in the desert. And uh, this is a material, a flexible material that comes in two layers. The, uh, The bottom layer closest to whatever object you want to keep cool, is uh, analogous to the camel's sweat glands. It's a hydrogel, a gelatin-like material that's mostly water, and it comes in uh, the, the hydrogel. It's like a sponge base with this material in it, and that is covered with a lighter aerogel, which plays the part, as the flesh release says, of the fur keeping the out the external heat while allowing the water vapor from the hydrogen uh, hydrogel layer the water layer to evaporate and cool whatever is inside and they say it can keep an object 7 degrees celsius can maintain that temperature difference for five times longer than just the hydrogel alone without the so-called fur layer on top of it. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, basically, the hydrogel is mostly water, 97% water that evaporates away, and they say it can keep something cool for up to 200 hours with just a 5-millimeter layer of the hydrogel. So uh, that's... compared to 40 hours for just hydrogel without the aerogel layer on top. Hmm. All right. So, okay. So there's a camel joke in here somewhere. (laughs) I know I was working on it, but I I, I got nothing. (laughs) I'd walk a mile for a camel, but we should have known that. (laughs) Remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Yes. Or smoke a camel. But that <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is that a wrap for today? Fortunately, it is a wrap. Okay, well, very no nice. No more shtick after that. Glad <laughs> we could get together. Glad we could get together. All right, so that was Cousin Rick calling in from Needham, Massachusetts, with Rick's Tech Talk, a regular feature of the Utopian Dream.